listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today as always is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? Uh, I'm doing well and I am super excited for today's show. I know. I think it's going to be really interesting. Yeah. We don't often get to speak with people with the depth of experience, research and expertise. Well, no, that's not, that's, no, look, now you're just, uh, uh saying that the other guests that we've had no, no, don't that's have not experience. It. But they're not, no, they're not researchers. <laughs> they haven't it. been, you know, at a meta level examining. I know. I just want to try to make you uh, squirm a little bit. Yeah, uh, it's not working. No. I'm a professional. All right. <laughs> I've done, I've done this before <laughs> uh no look, I, I i agree i think um there's just um uh, there's there's uh, literally i'm going to try to cover like three hours worth of content i think in the next half hour <laughs> so let's just jump right into it this is going to be uh, maximizing the potential of it for sure so joining us today is change leadership thinker speaker author and founder of the marketing leadership Masterclass. welcome to the cooler ring thomas barda Thank you for having me. It looks like an interesting show, given the introduction you just made. So I look forward to that <laughs> three-party fight. I can't wait to listen to it either. Yeah, Thomas, yeah. it's all downhill from here. <laughs> uh, no, Tom, it's, it's great to have you on the show. It, uh, um, uh, look, just to, to perhaps, um, uh, rather than ask you to, to repeat your, your resume in exhaustive detail, I, I would just tell our, our, our listeners that Thomas has led transformations for over 20 years, 14 different industries, 45 different countries amongst some of the world's top organizations, including over two dozen Fortune 500 uh, transformations, and um, uh, and creator of the world's largest ever study involving over uh, 68,000 assessments for what makes a successful customer leader, um, and author of The 12 Powers of a Marketing Leader. We have so much to dive into here, Thomas. Thank you for now you reading out my CV, which is great. <laughs> well done. <laughs> uh, well, look, uh, In short, I'm a, I'm a marketer turned McKinsey partner turned organization psychologist, and I'm trying to help marketers just raise the game uh, and get fired less often or for better reasons. <laughs> I love what are, what that. are some of the better reasons that they might get yeah. fired? Yes. You know, a good reason is to get in a fight with the CEO because your CEO doesn't get customers. And then if you lose this fight and get fired, that's a good reason. If you get fired because you get stuck in some, some tool stuff that nobody needs or understands, that's a bad reason. Fair enough. I think that's a, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's unpack this a bit. I know that because you're, we spoke in advance of the show, really emphasize this notion of helping marketers excel in the c-suite and and and, and we kind of want to unpack why you know what helps them succeed and what are the core stumbling blocks so i'm happy to approach it from either direction do you want to start with where they fail or why it when or does it work yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing plus i'm i'm talking about myself here because i've been a marketer as you as you know for many in fact when i was a child i was a marketer i wanted to become advertising uh producer that, that's what that was my dream job and as a marketer right i had my i mean i led marketing uh for many years and, and last firm was uh kimberly clark i did clinics in europe and i got sick and tired of marketing because i felt people in finance are making the decisions why not we so that's why I left and then became a McKinsey partner. And what's interesting, when you sit in the C-suite, 
as a, an external, which I was then uh, at McKinsey, right? You sit there as a partner, your client is the CMO, and then there's a CEO, and there's a CFO, and a CEO, God knows what. And then you see the discussion, and you sometimes, you can already tell if this is going in a good direction or not. And it's very interesting that when you see some marketers have found a recipe to connect with the CEO, with the CFO in a way that they are peers, and there's a tough debate and they're making better decisions. And some marketers find that very difficult. And th those are the ones that typically tend to then lose their jobs faster or just get diminished. And observing this for many years, and then I, I led McKinsey's internal leadership program as a dean where we teach people this influence without authority, right? Because as a, as a consultant, you have your paper and your voice. That's it, right? And people can say, go away. And I felt like if, if you bring these skills to more marketers, that is what when we could have more impact in the C-suite. I haven't answered your question yet, but I'll tell you, tell you what the situation is. And we we still have, we still need more marketers to be able to, to have that C-suite debate, you know, to claim their seat at the table, be seen as a peer. Uh, and we can dive into in a moment what it would actually take, but that is what we need to do more of, because I'm pretty sure the people who are listening to this today are very good at marketing. I mean, the fact that they're listening to this, that they're exploring, that there must be really good marketers. The question is how many of those, how many of you listening to this feel you have the right standing in the C-suite? That's what we need to work on to bring great marketing to life. And how much, how much of that is predicated on the C-suite having a bit of a marketing bent or interest or respect for in advance? And how much of it is on the marketer to cultivate? That is a great question. So um, you talked about a study earlier, and I did because I was so curious. I tried to figure out what is it, right, that I was observing there in the C-suite. And so we indeed went large scale. We had in the end 68,000 data points, um, and it was, a, it was massive. And what was fascinating in this is that 25% of success of marketers is what you just talked about. 25% is the company, the firm, the C-suite, 55% are leadership skills, and then there is technical and personality and others. So to, first of all, to answer your question, uh, it is 25%. Practically, if you work in a C-suite and the CEO thinks marketing is the biggest, most stupid thing ever invented, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard. But that is rare. I mean, it does happen, but in most firms, it is actually slightly different that there is maybe some skepticism, some things that people don't know, and there the marketers need to up the game and lead the debate and lead to convincing. Yeah, and I think that's a, uh, and I think that's instructive to say that yes, twenty five percent of it's the company, but the, the it's it's you know and it's a bit of a rarity to run into a a completely negative environment there. Most often, it's something that the marketers ought to be able to navigate in terms of. Um, uh, I guess uh, helping uh, the the C-suite uh, uh, take an existing appreciation for marketing and kind of understand it better. I suppose. Do you think it has anything to do? Like, is there just a a deference to power that uh, that a lot of marketers have, or, or once they get to the level that they're actually in with the C-suite, that isn't a concern anymore? So that is a very I love that question because there there's there's a two-part answer to this. It's first of all, are marketers different from others? Right? That's a very I, I found that very, very interesting. To start with, yes, there are a little. 
Uh, and we in, in psychology, people sometimes use the term eros and logos, the male or formerly male and female energy. Now it's much more, well, it's, it's, you, you're, not, you're not saying male, female anymore, but there is a type of energy. And marketers are, compared to others, slightly less in search of power, slightly less in search of facts, slightly less in search of, you know, give me that proof, show me this. Marketers are often very, very good at feeling things and seeing, seeing the big connections, seeing how things are, you know, hanging together. They understand what's going on. They, they probably, they even take themselves back and say, look, you know, if that's a better decision, I'm happy to, you know, that is happening. That is true. So there is a bit of a difference. But here is the thing. The much bigger thing is that marketing is a really weird job. And that makes it hard. Let me tell you what this is. First off, because marketers have gaps that other people don't have. And if you were listening to this and you're a marketer and you are sometimes frustrated, maybe you find some of those gaps. Uh, the first is skills gap, right? You go to a marketing conference, you go home, you look into a mirror and say, holy, like, like what, what is all this, these tools and like, what we, like, I don't understand. Like, and, and of course, you know, they're great tools and you can do great stuff, but it can, it takes confidence away from people. Yeah. That's gap one. Gap number two, you do future stuff, right? I mean, marketing's future, future revenue, future customer, future profit. You can't prove it. There's just no way. Uh, and if you can, the best thing you can become is a really good fortune teller. And so everybody in finance who has some old numbers will always look more credible and more reliable because the stuff is because it's old data. And thirdly, right, you're trying to change what the company does, the customer experience and all these things. And you you in charge and you feel, and then some other departments do stuff with customers and you can't control it. And so you have this job, skills gap, power gap, trust gap. That's hard to do. So some of this in the C-suite will have to do with the fact that you just have stuff that's harder to prove than other things. And then sometimes the C-suite isn't great. And then sometimes you are maybe too, you, you, you're too, maybe you're, you're too eros that sometimes you don't want to ever have to power debate. But I'd say for most part, I'd say 70% of the issues I see is, is not the emotional marketer. It's not the, the bad C-suite. It is that we have a job where we have to talk about the future. We, we don't have the power and we have to come to terms with this, but then talk to the C-suite in a way that they get it. And that is the art of getting power in the C-suite. And that is possible. Well, now I just want to know how. <laughs> That's <I> right. <laughs> you teed it up. Right. And, and I mean, is it, there it, a it, white it, paper we can I read? guess it, well, it struck me that when you listed the, the, the three main gaps, um, I can't help but think that there's a chunk of marketers out there that focus an awful lot on that first one, that skills gap. Mm. And they maybe don't think about... Um, the other two that yeah. that future uh the, the future orientation of marketing and the dynamic that that brings and obviously that trust gap that that exists i think uh, it, do you notice that in your work that there's kind of almost an overemphasis on the skills yeah and it's not new i did the same i was you know i was when i was a brand manager i really i took a segmentation course and i became so good at customer i mean i leak i re, i could do the numbers i could really do like statistics and and i, I remember i presented once to see with like this super complex statistic segmentation model and they were like that's very impressive and then then i left the room because i was very happy and they said what the fuck are we doing with this right so and, and, and there is that's a tip, and it, it's always been like this. And so I think you're right. 
Um, skills are important. No marketer needs no skills. I mean, we need to look at the technology and, and it is important. But you're right. The bigger role is to make to, to translate that into something the firm can do. And you asked me what to do. The first thing every marketer has to do almost like monthly is to say, what is what is the value creation zone? So let me explain this. Um, the reason that, that there is a PlayStation right now, which is being sold out and it has saved Sony many, many times. It's their biggest, most important product. It's it's big. It's I mean, like the PlayStation is really, really big, right? When this, when this was new, there was a guy and his name was Ken Kutaragi. And he was an engineer and he believed in this gaming idea. So he understood the customer, right? He was a customer, he was a customer, we want this. And, but he managed something else. He managed to explain to the Sony management why this was a big deal and why this would make money, why they could do it, why all the concerns they had about the ethical component of gaming are not that bad. Why and why? There were a long list of questions. He took 10 years to convince them, right? But he created something, what we call value creation zone. So there is a customer need here, and you're clear about that. But there is a company need too. And where those overlap, that's where a market has power. So if you work for a B2B firm and you really know customers, you really know there's something going on. The question is, do you also know the top three priorities of your CEO? And how do those align? And can you explain to the C-suite what the overlap is and can you make it bigger? So that value creation zone, almost like shaping, is where everything starts. This is where power starts. This is where the debate starts. So uh, th that's job number one. Yeah, this... Um, I love it. Yeah. Anybody that's worked with me for any amount of time has heard me say the person that frames the debate wins the debate. Um, and really what you're, what you're talking about is framing that conversation. But you really need to understand. I, I love the point about, you know, understanding what the priorities of the CEO are and speaking it back to them in their language. Yeah, being able know, to frame, frame it through that their, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just imagine, right? I mean, you, are, you, do, you have a great B2B firm. Their biggest challenge is maybe some competitor is taking some territory away in some areas because of some copycat machines, what have you, right? So I don't know what, 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 what those are. I mean, that's a you know, typical B2B challenge, right? There's a big competitor coming in in this region, right? Maybe it was a better offer, better price. Maybe that's on the C-suite mind, right? And then you as a marketer have a great idea how to get customer to be more loyal, right? Just imagine you would just walk into C-suite and talk about customer loyalty in general. La, 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 right? And people say, very interesting. Let's do this. I'm going to buy a software, blah, blah. Imagine you frame that debate differently saying, look, you know, we understand, you know, we don't know, Canada and Brazil are, are in danger. We see that, right? There's a competitor coming in. It's terrible. You know, I'm oh, sorry, it's terrible, but it's a real risk here, right? We have an idea. We have this new thing. And what we could do in Canada and Brazil, right, is, is get those customers to we, we, we kind of increase their loyalty by 5%. It would mean that X percent of them would not go there. That's the money it would make. You have the same idea, your same system, but you frame the debate in a way that everyone sees will sit up and say, I mean, the worst thing you could say is, okay, prove it, right? But they'll listen, yeah, because you pick them up on where the pain points are. This may, example may be weird now for someone in B2B. Maybe it's not those same countries, but that's how it works. And it, 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 I tell you what, I mean, I've never seen it not working in the C-suite if there was a normal debate. It's very powerful. 
Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash sample ABM. Uh, and of course, that is very powerful. And it, uh, like you say, almost the worst thing that can happen then is they say, well, put your money where your mouth is and let's uh, see if it actually works. <laughs> You'll fix it and come um, back. <laughs> which naturally, I mean, it's, uh, you know, at, at, the end of the, at the end of the day, if uh, your ideas continue to not work, that's probably not a career enhancing proposition. But I am curious about the, the other two components that you mentioned, because of course, you are trying to predict the future, not and not all of it is under under your control, and not all of that customer connect is under your control. That's right. So, how do you counsel marketers to hedge their bets, if you will, in their conversations with the C-suite, or or bring that lens of reality? Potentially? Well, I think it's not hedging. Look, I mean, you think about it. The people in the C-suite, most of them at least, are they aren't stupid, right? So most of them understand that marketing is not, you can't, anyway, they understand this, right? I mean, they, they understand this future. You just need to be honest. Um, Jim Farley, you, you probably know Jim Farley is now CEO of Ford. He was the CMO before, and he took on the role at Ford when they were basically bankrupt. Remember the time when Ford was roughly bankrupt, was about to be bankrupt, right? Guess how much they spend on marketing, right? And everybody's like, no, we can't do that. And you got to cut this, right? So he came in and said, okay, look, guys, you know, this is the blue Ford Oval. My parents bought cars because they felt pride when they saw it. Yeah, that's why they bought a car. Look at the papers. Look at what they're talking about us now. It's not pride. You know, we, 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 this is difficult. We have to advertise again. So and then he made the case, right, how this would bring back markets. Now, guess what happened? Some people believed him and the majority said, yeah, but we don't believe it. And you know what he said? Okay, let's have an adult debate. Okay, got it. What do you need to see? And he he flipped it and said, okay, let's let's work this out. You know, if I mean, you obviously understand that advertising works, but if you don't believe it, let's figure out what what, what do we need to see here? Yeah, and, and very interestingly, people were becoming part of that debate. And sometimes I tell marketers, why don't you work with the CFO to make the case rather than make the case to the CFO who is better at doing numbers than you are in the first place, and they will always poke a hole in it. Just work together. I mean, they are adult enough to understand that you can't prove everything, and they wouldn't be. But but have them try, and and the debate just lifts. Yeah, in every relationship, there are things you can't prove, but you just got to be open about it rather than trying to tell people you can and then you can't. Yeah. And let's fight it out. If if there's doubt, I keep let's keep going. Yeah. Because I I, so I had a CMO said once, okay, how about we can't all marketing to zero? Would you agree? And I said, yeah, we can't do that. I said, which part do you want to keep? Which thing is so he basically basically said, you know, okay, let's have the debate. So first off, have the debate. I think it's important. Don't shy away. If people doubt it, just face them and say, okay, what what would it need? And you know I, we can't prove the future. So what would be the best thing that we together could do? I think that's that's where the debate starts. Do you need to do numbers as marketer? Yeah, you got to have your numbers ready. You got to know what you spend and what you believe it is. 
And oftentimes, a simple spreadsheet that just says, look, we don't know exactly, but that's what we spend. Here's what we've seen happening. We assume X percent is based on this, but we don't know. Yeah, That's much better than trying to bring up, you know, a 200-page model that nobody understands or saying we can't really prove it. Give us the money anyway. Yeah, I kind of wonder... Uh, keeping on this theme of uh, uh, trying to predict the future, what what are the uh, emerging challenges that you're seeing from marketers? There have been kind of, whether it's uh, uh, you know, maybe life after the pandemic or, or just the general shift uh, in, in advance of technology, what are, what are kind of the, if you will, headwinds uh, that, that you think marketers will be facing in the next five years that they maybe aren't aware of yet? So uh, there is short-term noise and then there is long-term trends. Uh, the pandemic, for many reasons, is a short-term noise, uh, we hope. <laughs> we don't know yet, but 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 you think about it, what has really changed in consumer behavior? The obvious things, yes, but the other things, no. Um, but, but, but I think the big trend, indeed, we are seeing is technology, of course. And in every single firm, technology plays a major role. And what we see now in C-suites is who is taking the lead. Yeah, because this will eat into all sorts of departments. Just imagine, just take a customer database, right? Who owns this? Is the marketer the one that actually takes the lead and say, look, guys, we need to look at our customers in a completely different way? Here is how to do this efficiently. Here is what we can save. If you if you take that lead, then it involves the call centers at one point. It involves the, the production at, at the very end because it's connected. It could also be that IT takes the lead and say we need to have a new or production does or sales. In, in many firms, it's the question of who takes the lead, and the CEO in many cases doesn't quite care what the title is of that person. CEOs cares about who can do it. That is a big game right now that we see in firms and the marketers who take the lead are the ones that have clearly more power or the ones that get deeply involved are the ones that have more power. The ones that are losing it out are the ones that get lost in a couple of tools that are to do with marketing rather than helping the firm think about this complex problem, which data is, it's complex, right? But helping, are you able to advise the CEO on how to think about it. That, that is a big game. And we see that. And that's a split we're seeing also because we're seeing marketers getting way more power and marketing getting way less power because of that. Do you think there's one of those departments that's really pushing the hardest to own that customer data? Like, is, is it is it sales that you're seeing mostly? Or, I mean, it's traditionally, it's always been IT because they're the keeper of the keys of the server that it's stored on, which makes no sense because they don't action the data in any way, shape, or form. But, you know, it, is it sales that uh, marketers need to be most concerned about when it comes to, uh, to owning, you know, and leading? Yeah, and I wouldn't even call it concern because honestly, if someone takes the lead in a firm, it's good for the firm, right? I mean, it's, it, it's, it may be the wrong person, but it's good if someone takes it. So I'd be more of a, so I think sales is a natural owner, of course, because they have customer interactions. They're very interested in that. Uh, finance often is because they want to see the data. Um, 
I don't know. I don't have good statistics. I, I see that we need more marketers to get involved in it. And I don't mean that we need to become IT experts. That's not the point. The point is zooming out and saying, what would this firm really need to be successful in the market? So what do we need to know from customers and how we need to translate down straight into production and later on accounting? Thinking that through together with a few experts, you know, even get firms in to, to do workshops with you for half a day. It's not expensive. Just to get your thinking straight, I think it's, it's going to be a big deal. I, uh, I find it interesting that you're, you're finding that the, the marketers who lean into that um, and who take that on are the ones that are um, getting power in the C-suite and are advancing. And it's the, the ones that avoid it or are not comfortable, uh, that that's the divide. And it's really instructive, and I, and I, I, uh, you know, so often I think people think it comes down to almost, a, I don't know, a question of um, age or digital nativeness or something. And um, and, and uh, I, I think it's a real gift, Thomas, to tell people that it's, it's not about the t the knowledge of the tool sets itself. It's about how does this work for an organization? Yeah. Much more strategic, much less tactical and technology. You get experts in to fix it for you, right? I mean, and when I hear digital native, I'm always getting nervous because they people assume you have to be 25 and grown up <laughs> as digital. And I think a lot of 25, saying, don't get me wrong, I hope that we don't have a lot of 25 years old on this call, but there are a lot of 25 year olds out there who are digital natives, but also digitally naive because they know tools but that's not how you run a firm, yeah? And we have, it, it's not an age thing at all. You just gotta, you just gotta put your mind to it. I mean, most marketers are really smart people. They're very intelligent. And if you really spend half a year in thinking about technology, you'll be very good at this. So we're not talking rocket science, but it's requires thinking. Yeah, it's not, it's not rocket surgery. <laughs> <laughs> it's not rocket surgery, exactly. Yeah, I think I, I what did I steal that from? One uh, of the leading uh, 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 usability experts. Jeez, uh, I'm going to screw it up, so I'm not even going to try. But um, <laughs> I, you know, and, and I, I recognize that my next question is a little odd, given that we're three white men on a podcast talking about this. But do you think that sexism plays a part in this as well? Do you think that uh, there are certain people being held back because of their gender in this in this type of relationship? Interesting. So uh, the research, I can just tell you research, right? So not anecdotal evidence, my research is. For success, for business success in marketing, uh, largest ever study, 68,000 data points, 1,230 uh, chief marketing officers from around the globe, Im impact of gender under 1%. No. Is this true for every firm? Is this true for every region? Uh, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that in that, so on average, it's not a big deal. In fact, when it comes to screwing up in marketing, we have total equality, which is great. <laughs> B2B firms, you know, tend to be a little male than others. So I think everybody will have a different spectrum. But the, you can be very successful as a female in a male domain environment. Is it fun is another question, but uh, gender isn't per se a blocker. That's interesting. Uh that it uh, didn't show up as a significant blocker in the data. I mean, I guess kind of anecdotally, you know, you often, uh, particularly maybe because we work more in the B2B industrial space, that you, said, you I encounter mean... a lot of female marketers that are in very male dominant organizations. Yeah. That doesn't, but they're succeeding in them to be fair. Yeah. It's not I mean, like I they're being held like, back. 
people like uh, you know a number of the guests we've had on this show monique elliott you know, yeah schneider we've got an upcoming episode with her yeah, you know, uh, Cynthia powerful. from TE, uh, yeah, yeah, so. a ton of very, very seasoned, uh, capable uh, marketers that uh, were that hasn't been in it. But it, it is a yeah. I was I was kind of curious where that was going to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, neither personality nor agenda nor B two B versus B two C were a driver. So the big drivers were um, leadership, as I said, fifty five firm uh, r- around twenty five, which is reasonably big. There was technical skills fifteen. Those are the big ones, yeah. And then there is other stuff. Think about it: trust gap, power gap, skills gap. It's really hard to be born with this, yeah. So you gotta, you gotta figure this out. And by the way, if anybody, if you asked earlier, is there a write-up? I'm happy to. There's a, there's a, there's a summary. Um, if you want to send it around, please do. It has the research and then some of the big ideas. Um, but but it's briefly, it's a number of things you need to do because we talked about valuation zone. There are a couple of more things you need to avoid. Jargon as a marketer is really bad, especially in B2B firms. If you talk attribution segmentation, people really hate you because it's just not the world. Right? Um, it has a lot to do with mobilizing sideways. The people that don't report to you, you have to do a lot of hall walking, a lot of storytelling, a lot of um, you know feeding the firm forward. So, you know, if you are able to use customer voices and data to push it inside the firm, that will be, create the wave in front of you that you can lean back and say, like the CFO, right? CFO, CFO is powerful. They, they are not selling anything. Any, no CFOs are pure cost. I mean, seriously, they're pure cost. They're not saying, well, why are they powerful? Because they know how everybody's doing. If you as a B2B marketer know how the call centers are doing, how sales is doing, how this product is being received in this, and use it, and rather than saying, I own the experience, which you don't, uh, and I just feed it into the firm and saying, oh, this, look at this. You know, people don't like the product. Interesting. Oh, it's interesting. Guess what happens, right? You become that powerful. Voice. So there are a lot of techniques. And in the write-up, um, especially a 12, I mean, we've written this up in the 12 powers of a marketing leader. And yes, please buy the book. We get a dollar each, seriously. So no, that's not the reason to be on this show. <laughs> but it, 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 the summary is the summary of that book. And, and that's where the research is and all and the, the key tips. Uh, and, and, and if you do these things, that is where, when you start to create power. But as a, the summary is, as a marketer, you have to build your power very, very consciously rather than hoping because of really good work, people will start to really like and accept you. It's not how it works. You got to be very strategic in saying, I'm going to do marketing work and here's I'm going to build my power and I'm going to do both things and that will make you successful. You're kind of reminding me of an old quote from Tom Peters. I mean, uh, which I think he was actually a McKinsey uh, guy way back in the day as well. Um, but uh, where he just said, people, uh, if, you're, if, if you're not into politics, you're not into getting things done. <laughs> uh, like that notion of you need to cultivate power inside the organization you need to be intentional about that yeah and i think it, a plan for is something yeah. i've never really thought about before <laughs> yeah yeah i think uh, it comes i think in just uh, working inside of large organizations you, you need to to have that skill set and uh, lean into it and politics sounds negative I, I i look at this really positive even if everybody in the firm is just really well attended why would they make you powerful I mean, what's the point? I mean, people are trying to do the things that make sense. And if they don't get the fact that your work matters, you can't blame them, right? So I see this as a very positive thing to build your power. And you can take it, do it playful. And 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 we run, we run a, you know, we, we're teaching marketers what we just talked about, something called marketing leadership masterclasses, the only leadership class for marketers online. 
And we're teaching people this. And everybody comes in this class with exactly the same challenge saying, they don't believe me. You know, I do all this great work and they're not, they're not taking it. And then we talk about the fact whether people have actually tried to make the case. And then it's like, hey, you know, maybe not that much. And it, it, it's again and again. So I think we can do small things that make us more powerful as marketers. It's like finance can use trailing indicators to prove anything, but marketers can't use trailing indicators of the success of their work <laughs> in the same way. Yeah. You know, they, they have to they have well, to establish uh, the case and uh, then prove that they well, did it. Especially like when you think about sales cycle. But marketing can prove how everybody else is performing. Marketing can prove how people like the product. Marketing can prove how people like the supply chain. Marketing can prove how people like the cost centers. Marketing, because marketing can very easily get that data. And it's as powerful as CFO data, but you got to use it in that way. Yeah, as a change tool rather than as a, here's another report, read it, which they don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is an interesting uh, dynamic, that notion of thinking um, uh, that the, the CFO basically dealing with uh, data that's representative of things that have already happened. Um, and so you're dealing with something that's very matter of fact. And now we must come up with a solution to deal with X, Y, or Z. It can be very dispassionate uh, and is and based upon data and almost completely divorced of opinion. Um, and, and that sounds almost 180 degrees uh, from what where how many marketers might approach a, a, yeah. a debate about their work. Um, but to Thomas's point, it doesn't have to be that way. You can approach it in the exact same way. And it's not so complicated. So everything we talked about may sound really big today, but actually the small steps you need to take aren't that massive. Yeah. So thinking about what the CEO thinks, how do we connect, talking to some colleagues, trying to convince, using old data like the CFO to prove how other people are performing and use. So these things are not, you know, not rocket. I mean, not rocket surgery, as you would call them. And and they'll make they'll make a difference. I'll make a difference. And that's what we need. We need more marketers in the C-suite, more powerful, making especially in B2B, which is the biggest marketing industry, right? Because more B2B marketers than B2C marketers. This is, you are the majority. <laughs> that uh, is not how I think a lot of B2B marketers feel or approach it. No, yeah, but they are. But they are. And uh, and I I tend to think it's a more interesting side of uh, of marketing, but I'm a bit biased there. Not that I don't enjoy B2C, of course, or and really just love advertising, which is often just the purview of B2C. But, um, That's well, right. What a great way to, to frame all of that up. Mm. You know, mm. uh, Thomas, I, I really thank you for joining us on the show today. It was uh, it was fantastic. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me, and to all of you, um, uh, I wish you luck and 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 well uh, with uh, stepping up. Fantastic. All the best. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.